Hey, how's it going, everybody? We are getting started for an aftercast 35, just waiting for all the gadgets and gadgets and live streaming to set up and start and get all their stuff going. We are live on Twitch at the moment. We're trying to get on there a little bit more and interact with a little bit of the people, some of the listeners. Um, again, for everyone that's new and hasn't really uh, been introduced to the podcast in a long time or, or if you're brand new listening to it, let me do a, a soft restart, reboot, just introduction of the Luckadel podcast. My name is Elias Roush. I am the host of the Luckadel podcast, creator, founder, whatever you want to call it. CEO, manager. I'm the manager. So if you need to talk to somebody, you come talk to me. Um, there are an abundance of ways to find us. We are on almost all the social medias, mostly we post on Twitter and we'll post on YouTube and go live on Twitch. But you can go find all of our social media links on luckydollpodcast.com. They are on the main page of the homepage. So, um, yeah, luckydollpodcast.com is the best way to find us. Luckydollpodcast on almost all the other social medias that you can find and look. That's where you can uh, help support us either on the social networks or on patreon or paypal we accept donations of a dollar five dollars or even ten dollars or even more you know if you're getting crazy you're feeling good then you know we appreciate every uh, bit of support that you can um provide us we are a small local podcast and we are you know trying to make our way up so again the aftercast is generally where we'll talk about you know, worldly topics, maybe not focus so much on the movie news, but things that have happened in between the different uh, aftercasts and different movies that we have discussed. And um, I like to kind of uh, do a small little roundup of some, you know, world events that have happened since over the past few months. And so if you check out the other aftercast, you'll have that little time in a bottle kind of feeling is what I was looking for when, you know, doing these aftercasts. And um, especially during the whole pandemic, uh, th that was pretty interesting listening, going back and interacting with individuals during those aftercasts and kind of uh, understanding everyone's perspectives, where our mental mindset was. A lot of people thought the world was ending at certain parts. Maybe it still is. I don't know. We're, we're, we're on the other side of whatever it is at this point, hopefully. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to kind of cover some worldly events that have happened and, um, you know, some behind the scenes stuff, maybe a little bit of movie news, but let's begin with what everyone was discussing over the last two weeks. I want to say it was last Sunday that the company Oceangate Incorporated OceanGate Incorporated, an American privately owned company in Everett, Washington, that provides crude submersibles for tourism industry research and exploration. The company was founded in 2009 by Stockton Rush and Guillermo Soyen. I'm sorry, this is a Swedish name, so I'm a little bit, don't know how to pronounce it. I apologize. So basically, it's this company that has these tiny submarines that are doing tourist destinations into deep parts of the ocean. And so 
it was around Sunday that it was reported that one of their submersibles had lost contact with the, um, you know, with their crew and on board were one was one of the founders, Stockton Rush, and along with a couple other passengers, I believe it was four other passengers paying pass paying tourists that had to pay upwards of around 250,000 per person. Now, I don't have the names in front of me, but I, I, I'll try to find them as I scroll through this um, through this article. But um, basically, they were very ultra wealthy, rich individuals that were on the submarine or the submersible. And the more information that came to light, the more dangerous and the more um, lack of, I, I don't know, just necessary equipment and a crew that was uh, that was with this Ocean Gate company was shown to light. There, there was severe corners that were cut with this submersible. Now, with saying that, everyone's like, "All right, most people know what have happened by now." But there was this weird time of about four days from Sunday to Thursday. The whole world had no idea what had happened to this submersible. It was just missing. And there was this ticking time bomb or ticking time bomb, ticking time clock, so to speak, of a bomb, not a metaphorical bomb, that there was only 96 hours or so of air left on this submersible that had five individuals, including the the company's owner on there. So it almost sounds like a movie in itself, this thing just going missing, this kind of horrifying story, you know, you find out there's billionaires on, on there. And then some people, there's like this big division of individuals that feel sorry for them as people. And then other people are like, well, they're billionaires, fuck them. They don't, you know, they deserve this type of stuff. It's like, I thought this was a an interesting social experiment to see how, you know, the world would react. You know, my personal opinion is, you know, human life, you know, human life, you need to, uh, if, you know, they were genuine people, then regardless of the money, then I kind of think they, you know, have some sort of humanity to an extent, especially because one of the individuals on board was, uh, a teenager, I believe he was 19 ish, one of the billionaire's sons. And so, um, yeah, I was finding this in- entire story fascinating, scary, just the world completely flipped upside down to just focus their eye on this specific Ocean Gate um, submersible going missing. So, for the majority of that week, Monday through Wednesday, we had no idea what had happened to the submersible, but most people were kind of, there's TikToks going out, they were showing how deep this Titanic uh, actually was, I think it was around 10,000 meters or something like that, which is extremely deep, and they were, there's tons of these charts that were made of how deep these, um, you know, submarines have to go, and it's so deep that it's just, if the submarine or if the submersible is not completely fortified, then the pressure alone can just squeeze and kill anything that is that deep in the ocean. I had no idea that the ocean was this dangerous when it came down to the pressure. I knew that there was this amount of pressure, but I had no idea how deep 
the actual uh, Titanic was. I kind of had a feeling that it was way higher. I thought it was maybe half as deep as it was, but it is down, down deep. I was watching a couple of different, um, what do you call it, like uh, different uh, diagrams that showed how deep the actual submarine had to go. And it was surpassing depths of uh, the tallest buildings in America that, uh, in the depths of the ocean, if they were in the ocean that deep, you know, it, it was remarkably deep. And I, I would be freaking out being in a submarine that long. I know that the actual trip was only supposed to take around two, three hours tops. I'm not sure if that was one, one way or two way, maybe one way down, two hours down and two hours up, something like that. But you know, considering they had 96 hours of oxygen on there, you would hopefully think that you wouldn't have to be there down down there that uh, long. So continuing on this story, the company acquired a submersible vessel and antipods and later built two of its own Cyclops one and Titan. In 2021, Ocean Gate began taking paying tourists to the Titan to visit the wreck of the Titanic. As of 2022, the price to be a passenger on an Ocean Gate exploration to the Titanic shipwreck was a quarter of a million per person. And a lot of, uh, you know, bigger celebrities came out like Mr. Beast had gotten a text message or some sort of invite to go on this submersible. So this is kind of crazy information. On June 18, 2023, the Titan imploded during a voyage to the Titanic shipwreck site, killing all five occupants on board, including Rush. An international search and rescue operation was launched, and on June 22nd, the 2023 of 2023, the wreckage was found on the seabed near the Titanic wreck site. So Unfortunately, all four of these individuals on board were killed probably immediately. I, I don't have the specifics in front of me, but from what I hear that they were at depths that if anything went wrong, that this submersible would just completely implode. They wouldn't even have time to, uh, to blink is what I'm hearing. It's just that freaking fast. And the destruction of what would happen to the bodies, I mean, it was, it, it, I'm hearing that at most that they would be dust at this point of how deep they were. I mean, I don't think we have an exact reasoning of why this happened, but I mean, there's a whole number of reasons that uh, have possibly come to light. There were previous, um, uh, there were previous, what's it called? Um, engineers that had come out and said that the ocean gate that the tide uh, the titan was not fit for this type of tourism um that it needed james cameron someone that has been down to the titanic i think upwards of 30 times and he has very he, he's very knowledgeable in this deep sea uh diving i think it was called the ghost of the abyss or something like that was was his um was his movie? What was it? Um, 
Titanic sub lost at sea, I believe is, is one of his things. Yeah. Ghost of the abyss. And so basically the, this takes highly, highly skilled, highly acquired, expensive, high, large amounts of resources in every way for this to have gone right. And so for the ways to it have gone wrong seem exponentially higher. Um, so yeah, the 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 memes, the social trends that were happening over the course of Monday through Thursday before we they had found or the time had actually run out. Now that I think about it, I think it was around Thursday, around nine a.m. Uh, uh, Eastern time that the submarine had. By that time, we hadn't found anything or heard anything or nothing had risen to the surface, which most people thought that if they had imploded that it would drop to the uh, the surf, the, the not the surface, the ocean floor. But since we hadn't found anything by that time, they had run out of air. But little did we know the sub had already imploded probably a day or two before. And so it's very sad. It's very much I think it's going to be a cultural touchstone a little bit of this time like you remember when the the titan exploded or something like that I just think it's going to be one of those those times because this type of exploration I don't think is super well known and then this type of the way they went missing the things that went wrong apparently they were using like a Logitech game controller to uh, you know to to man the submarine and they showed how the, the submarine was not even bolted by a machine. It was bolted by hand in some scenarios. I was very floored to find out how much had come to light about maybe the corners that were cut by Ocean Gate. And so I'm curious where this story continues to go from there. Um, you know, I am sad for, you know, the, the loss of life. And uh, I I can't help but compare it to like space exploration and how like Musk is trying to do more touristy stuff in space with SpaceX and then Virgin Galactic doing these space tours, like going down depths of the ocean, going high into the sky. I'm not sure if I'm all about that right now. I'm not seeing the benefits right now of going up there and being weightless or going down deeps of the depths of the ocean. I was talking to my brother not too long ago. I was like, I've been seeing these TikTok videos of, I think it's uh, like generated AI um, kind of real engine type stuff. And it'll show someone like deep, deep sea diving in the ocean or something like that. And then they're kind of looking around. It, for some reason they have a cell phone and, and, and they're like looking around and they'll look at a statue, a giant like marble statue in the ocean. And it's it's superiorly bigger than the individual, and it kind of gives me anxiety. I don't know. I'm not sure what that kind of anxiety is, but I've really gotten uh, it's kind of embedded itself in me a little bit that I've realized I don't really like super gigantic stuff like a giant marble statue like that. And then all of a sudden in the videos and the TikTok videos, the, the marble statue will like look at the individual and maybe you start attacking them or something. It is 
it is horrifying shit. I mean, if you've seen uh, Little Mermaid recently, it's kind of of that realm of that third act. Oh my gosh, I was I was having some uh, next level anxiety in this the, the whirlpools that were made in the uh, the the abyss of the ocean. I was like, after seeing the Titan go down like this and all these other TikToks and all this shit happening, I was like, I'm not all about the ocean. I'm not. I don't think I need to be in the ocean. I'm I'm all good. If these scary looking fish that can, can't even see the depths of deep depths of the ocean. I don't need to be there. What am I going to do down there? You know, <laughs> I'll let James Cameron go down and be the, uh, the ocean man, Aquaman for me. I don't need to be that. I, I it is, uh, it just seems like a whole nother world that we haven't explored, even though we've been here for so long. Anyways, that's ocean gate. Let's continue on. Yeah, go check out the James Cameron Titanic documentary. I hear it's fine. It's not super compelling, but um, the Ghost of the Abyss is what I was referring to earlier. Again, let's talk about the flop that is The Flash. So it is quite an interesting summer. I'll tell you that. The summer box office has been phenomenal. I think uh, to to watch. I thought that the Flash would do a hell of a lot better than it did. Apparently, on a budget of like three hundred million or something ridiculous, with all these reshoots. That and, and even though it has Keaton in it, which I I guess nobody cared that Keaton came back. It dropped seventy two percent in the second week. I think the the was it the First week was like 50% maybe. And then second week was like 72. It, it, I don't remember. It was, it's one of the biggest drops in the DCEU. And I, in my review, I had said that this is one of the better superhero films that has been produced. I meant to clarify and say it's one of the more better superhero DC movies that have been produced in the in the last like 10 15 years maybe before the Nolan, uh, post Nolan but I didn't think it was that bad like I understood that it was you know uh, I think it's slightly above average and I had a minor emotional uh reaction to it but it wasn't like you know formative and transcendent life-changing or anything like that like i had an enjoyable time and i feel like this movie is definitely getting ridiculed to hell um my number one reason why i think the flash is not doing well i would have to say is probably i don't think it's the ezra miller of it all i don't think the majority of people know who is ezra is i think it's coming down to DC putting a lot of their eggs in the basket of the flash. I don't think most people know who the flash is. I'm not sure if he's, even though he's been shown in a big chunk of the DCEU movies, I don't know if he's made in enough of an impression to get butts in seats for this movie. And it doesn't seem the fans are there to back up, um, you know, back up how good the movie is like i'm saying it's entertaining but i'm not saying it's, it's super formative and go change go drop what you're doing go quit your job go push a grandma over to go get to the theater you know it's not that wild it's not that damn good but 
maybe people's expectations for having a better movie experience has just gone up and they're like, we'll just wait for HBO Max. We'll wait for it to go on streaming. We'll wait for it to go rental. So I thought that was um, <laughs> Collider just, just posted yesterday on the 30th, uh, 29th, sorry. The Flash's global box office finally passes its production budget, which is definitely, definitely not good. I'm hearing that the, the production budget was just through the roof on here. So, oh, oh boy, this is going to be a sticky one for WB. Um, on top of that, let's kind of go to um, the Superman casting real quick before we go to what I've kind of been watching recently. David Cornsweet. Um, from Pearl, and I think he's from the show Hollywood, um, resembling a 6'3 Henry Cavill. A lot of people are saying, wow, they just stuck Henry Cavill in a time machine and brought, brought out corn sweat. Um, also, we have Rachel Brosnahan as Lois Lane, who is from best known for uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. I have not seen it, but I've heard fabulous things about the show. It's always getting renewed uh, super fast, um, all these awards for it. So I'm excited about the casting. I got to say that uh, I do like the kind of, even though Brosnahan is is not exactly an unknown, she's not uh, super overexposed in any way that I think she can embody the uh, Lois Lane of it all, Lois Lane role of it all, and then Corn Sweat. He was great in in Pearl. I don't really have too much to say about him. I know I wasn't pegging him as a um, as a Superman type originally, but given that he's in that show Hollywood, and then I th- which I think is a uh, a period piece, and then Pearl, which was a period piece, I was like, damn, this guy's you know he's been kind of put in a box to to be in this uh, classic Clark Kent look. So I'm excited about that. I also think that this was definitely released the week after um, the Flash had been to- uh, had basically been uh, demolished as as a movie from you know people saying that it's it's kind of a flop of a failure. And so, yeah, I um, I definitely think DC and Warner Brothers is trying to cover their ass. It's like, look at what we're doing with this hand and not the flash hand. Shoo! You know? Uh, so I um, I definitely feel that kind of happening with this news. Other news, the writer's strike. I don't have too much to say about it right now. I'm, I think the, the studios are still dragging everything on. For everyone that doesn't understand the, the writer's strike, I would say uh, Dan Merle, I believe, has on YouTube a 45-minute in-depth writer strike video that kind of goes in depth about what everything everyone's wanting um basically every few few years there's a writer strike uh, i'm hearing about every 15 to 20 years ish and they are asking for better working conditions they want more transparency a lot of streamers and major corporations are not giving uh, fair and equal pay apparently to the, a lot of these hardworking individuals that are putting long hours of work on on shows and then they'll be fired and then they'll hire somebody else to go finish it up and then the, the previous person might not get paid nearly as much for whatever reason and they've done all the work there's a whole mess of uh you know reasons that they're doing this strike but i i hope it all resolves uh you know in a, somewhat of a swift manner so that we can 
get back to having some amazing content being created. And so they're probably maybe next year. I'm not really sure how long this is going to last, but um, yeah, they they want more transparency on top of that, on top of, you know, more equal, better pay. Um, but yeah, go check out the Dan Merle um, video on YouTube. He's got a, a good, a good um, insights on that. So that is the writer strike. There's probably going to be a dip in quality of content coming out from, you know, the studios because uh, they, they don't have their writers on, on deck. They don't have people that are directing the stories. <laughs> so Prepare for a couple of Transformers Revenge of the Fallen's coming out. Oh my lord. Oh my goodness. Speaking of Transformers, I saw that too. It's it's a it's a Transformers movie that I think is mostly not offensive and doesn't really do too much to really make make me get more excited for the stories, but it's there. Anyways, um so we're gonna talk about the bear a little bit. Just I'm not even gonna say anything but it's the fucking show to watch season one did superior work from the acting to the directing to the putting you in a time and place and making you feel like you're part of the team i love the direction of the bear season two comes back just as strong i'm like four episodes in and uh the 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 story is continuing on to be one of the most fascinating pieces of media that I just in, genuinely enjoy uh, watching. I, I Hulu dropped it um, all in one season, similar to what um, the Netflix model, the binge model, instead of a week to week. Which little mixed feelings of it, but I'm kind of sipping this show like a nice fine wine, like two episodes here, two episodes there, because it's such a good show that I don't want it to end uh, in one binge even though it could be. Um, so the bear is from a multitude of reasons why I would recommend watching the bear. The biggest one would be it's just shot impeccably well, but on top of that, the, um, the wholesomeness, I think this show, the show kind of has like a wholesome nature about it that I really enjoy about, um, you know, this show it's, it's a lot of shows can sometimes be a little bit too cynical or, downright raunchy like the idol oh my god i might have to talk about the idol here in a second but uh because i think the idol might be exactly the opposite of the bear in in my opinion so but basically this movie this this show feels like a movie love the characters love the design love the food love the the uh the restaurant fast paced quality it's funny as hell it feels down to earth there's so many good things about the show i can't say enough um and then Jeremy Allen White, I, I, dude, just looks, uh, what's his, uh, fucking, uh, Gene Wilder. He looks, um, he looks so much like Gene Wilder. It is amazing. Just put him in the fucking movie. Just make a, a Willy Wonka movie without the Charlie, the Charlie in the factory of it all. Just, I could totally watch that right there. Jeremy Allen White, he's right there. Um, last bit of news before we get into, I want to talk about the top 10 movies, uh, that are my top movies of this year so far. So I just exited out of that shit. What did I do that for? Let me get this back open. So the, before we get into the top 10, 
Oh my goodness. So all right, so the show The Idol. Everyone's talking about it. I've unfortunately watched four four of the five question mark episodes. Um so what do we got to say about the idol? One, it's I think the only reason that this show is being talked about is because of the headlining uh, actors on here and the director. Sam Levinson, Barry Barry Levinson's son, the director, Sam Levinson, creator and director of first two seasons of Euphoria. He's had some things said about him. You know, you can go look that up. I I don't really know too much about the behind the scenes nature of him, but I know he can be a little bit uh, particular. Let's just say about that. And he doesn't always work the best with um, some um, some actors. You know, some actors have better things to say about him than others. I don't really know. I don't have a, a formative explanation about uh, the director of this, but Let's talk about the two leads of the show. Uh, the show is Lily Rose Depp, The Weeknd, and it's basically taking like Lily Rose Depp, who's kind of like this Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera kind of almost like a more kind of like a Miley Cyrus, a little bit kind like a you know that type of. Uh, artists that is heavily influenced into the music industry, acting industry, Hollywood industry, being famous, etc. And so she's trying to do it all, sing, dance, pop, whatever, um, model, whatever. The show is trying so hard. Well, it seems like the show wants to be like a satirical com a satirical comedy that is making comments about Hollywood, making comments about the industry. What it comes off as, and it, and it ha- it's supposed to have like this like basic instinct kind of sexy thriller type twist to it. But what it comes off as, a non-funny, a non-sexy, try hard, beating over the top, edge lordy ass, terribly written barely barely watchable show that does not feel like it was produced by a24 or belongs on whatever hbo max is now this show feels like it tries to go out of its way to be um quote unquote offensive a little bit but not even like oh that was a good joke it feels like outdated offensiveness and there's lines that this show will go out of its way to say like you know why do we need a a sex uh, a sex coordinator or something like that to make sure people are you know comfortable on on a set you know uh there's there's multiple like lines that i feel like the actors and the, the the characters are saying and it's just like the director saying say this for me because this is how I feel about the industry and I just don't know I feel like the 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 show thinks it's a lot smarter than it is because it'd be like all right let me go show you this offensive shit 
but then we'll show the reactions of everyone in the room that thinks this is offensive shit going on. So it's definitely offensive, but yet we're going to still watch this. Let me kind of, let me give you an example. Um, if you don't want to hear 30 seconds of an example of the idol of why it's terrible, then you let me know. Uh, or you, you, you let me know. You skip, skip forward one minute. So episode three and four. The weekend finds out that Lily Rose Depp, Johnny Depp's daughter in this, um, uh, the, uh, what's her name? I don't can't even fucking, Jocelyn or whatever. She is, she was beaten by her mother back in the day with a hairbrush. And so what is his reaction? Well, I'm gonna beat her with uh, a hairbrush. So she gets out of this uh, non non creative functioning mode that she's in. And so the weekend is essentially trying to be this charismatic, almost Scarface, David Koresh, Koresh cult leader esque that just has these people under his thumb. He runs a club. He thinks he's all that in a bag of shit or sorry, a bag of shit, a, ba- a bag of chips, but he's really not. He's not the, the character is not charismatic. It's not believable that anybody would go under the wing or under the guise of this guy. And so he has these, you know, quote unquote, crazy methods of getting you to, you know, uh, to perform better, to, uh, to create better art. And so his is basically abusing Lily Rose Depp on this show from episode three, episode four. And then I, I don't even know what's going to happen. Episode five. I just kind of wanted to stop, but I can't, it's almost like a train wreck. You can't stop watching. And it's so hard to, to have the believability of the weekend actually kind of encroaching in on this girl's life that one lily rose depp doesn't feel like a real character she's kind of jocelyn has been put to kind of put to the side the weekend is playing a guy named tedros that's the first problem and his whole posse and his whole gang that is kind of infiltrating and almost trying to live with jocelyn's character (laughs) in her house it's just happening so fast it feels so inorganic unbelievable like i said it's offensive in some areas what's it tedros uses the f word he uses the r word he's i'm not even going to say it because i'm i'm live and i'm probably going to post this on youtube but there's just so many things i'm like this is trying so hard in so many ways and it's failing on almost every single way five 0.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's getting scorched out there. Um, If I have anything good to say about it, I'd say there's a handful of good scenes because I know Sam Levinson can set up a shot, but he can also, uh, just like Euphoria, I think there's a lot of really interesting side subplots. Um, But this main plot, oh my God, horrible horrible i had i had a friend over watching it and i was like i told them i was like this is a terrible show but if you want to watch it we can we can watch it and just telling someone off the top this is going to be terrible then that, i think that's what you need to do is have like a warning <laughs> have a fucking warning of how terrible it's about to be oh my goodness so 
it's one thing to you know show the abuse it's and then and to kind of show how you can get out of the abuse it's like what is this all for what 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 is this all for of a uh fingering uh jocelyn in the studio with 15 people of her friends and his posse around while they're watching what is that for who is this to, who is this for and everyone in the room is disgusted and like they're like all right man this is a little far now you know it's everyone's ugh. and she's just blindfolded and just doing it right there it's like this shows how far sexuality i think has changed but also how try hard it can be as well and i was like jesus this is rough anyways that is the idol let me go through the top 10 top 10 i'm gonna go through the entire list of movies that we've watched this year so you can kind of have a nice little condensed list of things to watch if you are looking for something to watch let me see if i can find this Da, da, da. Oh shit! My bad. Here we go. Okay, so we are gonna go from the top down, top twenty twenty three movies, and uh, we've seen a lot. So. Hopefully these are some good recommendations that you have not seen. Some of them are a little more blockbustery than others because a lot of the uh, indie movies that I really enjoy don't come out until closer to shit. Uh, closer to like August, sometimes as early as September, but sometimes it's it's like late fall, November time. So this list will change. This is just the top movies I have for the first half of 2023. Um, let's do it. Starting at number one, I'll have this list in the description just in case you want to refer back to it as well of the podcast. Number one movie of the year so far, Guardians of the Galaxy, three. Number two, Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse, three, The Covenant. Number four, The Flash, number five, air number six infinity pool number seven elemental number eight saisu number nine dungeons and dragons number 10 knock at the cabin and then from here those are the top 10 the rest are movies uh that i've watched these are in order from the way that i i enjoyed them but you know, of course, they can be here or there. 65, the dinosaur movie with uh, Adam Driver actually was, I, I enjoyed that. Renfield, Missing, Megan, The Pope's Exorcist, Evil Dead Rise, Tetris, A Man Named Otto, Creed Three, Plane, Fast X, You People, Bayou's Afraid, Transformers Rise of the Beast, John Wick Chapter 4, Book Club The Next Chapter, <laughs> uh, Cocaine Bear, Peter Pan and Wendy, Super Mario Bros, 
Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. The Little Mermaid. Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Hypnotic. Boston Strangler. And the last movie on my list as of right now, like I said, it could subject to change. It could change tomorrow. It could change next week. It could change right after I put this podcast out. The last movie on my list is Magic Mike and The Last Dance. I thought that movie was oof. Big oof. Big oof. But yeah, everybody, that is the top movies of 2023 from top to bottom. Let me know what you thought about the podcast. Let me know what you thought about the aftercast. Um, I don't believe we have any comments we need to get to on the uh, SoundCloud or YouTube at the moment, but uh, let me check the stream. Twitch stream, all good. Yep. Um, Anything in the notifications? I think we're all good on there. So, yeah, I appreciate everyone listening, watching Look It Up Podcast. Be sure to check out LookItUpPodcast.com for all the ways you can support the podcast. Like I said, there's a million ways you can support. Best way to support is thumbs up, comment, like, subscribe, share the podcast. You know what to do. Find us on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Apple Podcasts. You can support the podcast on Patreon and PayPal. All the links can be found in the description and on the website. You know what to do? Take it easy.